theyeshiva.net. The first part we did this morning, and if you didn't watch it or you want to watch a replay, you can watch part one on theyeshiva.net. You'll see on the right side of this video you have part one, so uh, you'll be able to catch up. And now we're going to continue inside. We focused in the beginning of Masechtiyum, and now we go to the second part, the Siyum of Masechtiyum. I want to thank Project Lekutei Sichos and Reb Shleim and Meryl Greenwald for arranging all of this with Project Lekutei Sichos. And on their website, you could see the this, this these source sheets and many more source materials for this particular Hadron and for the weekly uh, Sichah, the weekly address, Sichah, Shir of the Lubavitcher Rebbe that is studied with Project Lekutei Sichis, so that's projectlekuteisichis.com. So, the Koyin Gadol, on Yom Kippur, had to be married. This was a halacha. According to many, it goes so far as, it goes to the point, it, it's, it's, it's so important that it may disqualify the avoida of Yom Kippur if the Koyin Gadol may be the greatest man in the world, but if he's not married. That's the opening mission of Masech Yuma, that the Kohen Gadol and Yom Kippur has to be married. It says, So Chazal say in the beginning of Yuma, of the first Mishnah, This is his wife. And the first part of the class, we explained at length what this means, why the Torah uses the word Beisoy, not Ishtoy, why the Biyosi said, I never called my wife my wife, but rather, my wife, my home, as explained there at length. A lot of questions came in. I'm just going to summarize the point, clarify some things that people struggled with, and then we want to go. Uh, we want to go further. A wise man once said. He said, "Money can buy a clock, but not time." can buy a bed, but not rest. Could buy a book, but not wisdom. Could buy a position, but not respect. Could buy medicine, but not health. Can buy blood, but not life. Can buy, can buy acquaintances, but not love. Money can buy connections, but not intimacy. It can buy fun, but not happiness. It can buy possessions, but not meaning. It can buy everything in the world, but not truth. It can buy a house, but not a home. The Kayengadl and Yom Kippur needed to have a home, a bias. And the best example is Nadav and Aviyu. Nadav and Aviyu were the holiest. They were holier than Moshe and Aaron. The Pasuk says about them, about Midbar, they died, they did not have children. Chazal say they did not want to get married. They did not want to have children. And that's why they died. They went into the Holy of Holies. They didn't have a wife. They didn't have children. The Kayin Gadol cannot tolerate or integrate or absorb the intense holiness of the Holy of Holies if he doesn't have the spouse who anchors him. If he doesn't have the bias, the home, that foundation in this world that only his wife can create for him and for herself. So Nadav and Aviyu reached the peak of transcendence, holiness, but they could not survive. They didn't have an anchor. As we'll see later, Hashem also has a spouse, and his spouse, the Jewish people, anchor Kevayachal Hashem in this world. Chazal say Hashem wanted a dir b'tachtoinim, he wanted a home in this world, that's what, so to speak, keeps him here, keeps him involved, it keeps him engaged, it anchors him, the yearning, the desire to be able to have a home, to have a bias, a dir b'tachtoinim, that's what the Medrash says. So the question in the beginning of the Hadron was, Yom Kippur is the peak of holiness, the convergence of the holiest person in the holiest time in the holiest space, and you separate him from his home for seven days before Yom Kippur, why does he have to be married? The answer now we learn is because the contrary, to be able to absorb the deepest level of holiness, the Kayin Gadol needs to have not just a wife, but like Rabbi Yoisi said, I never called my wife my wife, I called my home my home. Because what the woman does for herself and her husband is, gives them both the gift of having a home, a home that transcends their individual space and allows them both to have a real anchor in this world 
that creates eternity. It creates something larger than just the husband and the wife individually, as explained in the first class. It allows the Kohen Gadol to become from a prat, from an individual, to somebody who represents the Jewish people and can atone for the Jewish people and allows him to fuse the deepest holiness with his or her identity and bring it to the world and bring it to the Jewish people. Not like Nadav and Avi, who had all the holiness in the world and they indeed expired. Men often resist this bias. That's the passage of It's not a house. It's a home. And when we say a woman creates a home, it's a transcendent concept. It doesn't mean physically there's a home. It means there's a space where transcendence lives. There's a space where they become completely unified. They become integrated. Now, one of the questions was, what about people who don't have children? Rabbi Yossi, speaking about children, he sees the bias, the bias be astral, the so I discussed, I did, I took some questions at the end of the class. You can watch the end of the first class. But of course, we pray and hope, and the ultimate realization of marriage is, in the children which create eternity. But if I could just mention the person who said this, Hadra never had children. And his wife certainly created a home for herself and for him. And it was a home that inspired hundreds of thousands of other homes and hundreds of thousands of other children. So everybody has that ability with a partner, with a soulmate, to create that bias, to create that home. Everyone becomes can become an ambassador of love and of light and of hope and of and of and of promise and of something that transcends our own individual spiritual and psychological and emotional ego. Another question somebody asked was, uh, "You, this is what you're reducing women to." That they, that they clean and they iron and they cook. <laughs> this is what you reduce women to. <laughs> so I think it's, I, I, the way I understand it, it's exactly the opposite. It's the ultimate objective of the man and the woman. Rabbi Yossi says, I didn't call my wife my wife. I called my wife my home. What's the greatest thing you can build in this world if not a home? We all want to build something. Okay, you can build a job. You can build a factory. These are all wonderful things. But what is, what is the greatest thing in the world you can build if not a bias, if not a home, if not a, fut- a home for future generations and a home for you and your husband where all the goodness comes from, goodness comes shines into the world? How do we build a home? A woman has this unique skill and you could see it with childbirth. The husband contributes some material, the seed of life. What does the wife give him back? And herself back. She takes that material and she turns it into a living organism, into a living child. The husband gives. The husband has to give the seed to pollinate the egg. But what does the woman do with it? She takes the material and completely transforms it. In Kabbalah and Chizit is a concept that Malchus receives, Malchus is femininity, Malchus receives from masculinity but by receiving from masculinity it transforms it and brings out the core essence of it that masculinity could not have on its own. So the Kohen Gadol on his own could not create that bias. This is what his wife does for him, and this is what he needs on Yom Kippur. This is what Rabbi Yossi meant, that when he saw his wife, he always saw that from the first moment, he ultimately saw what she creates for him and for herself, something that transcends their individuality, something that completely unites them in the institution of marriage, the creating this transcendent, amazing space in the world that we call a home. More about this in the first class, and you could learn it there. Let's now move on to the next piece. This is the focus in the beginning of Yuma. Now the Hadron takes a turn to the end of Yuma, and then we'll see the connection between the beginning and the end. So I hope by now you printed out or you opened up your source sheets. We're holding Se'if Vav. Se'if Vav, Kiyadua. Okay, let's go inside. Kiyadua. It's known as Da'a Kesha B'Shaykh is written as Chalof and Amasechta Unir Siyum. Was the Faris man zich neigen a hadrin zu gefinden a teichem a shutter von dem Siyum von dem Masechta mit dir as Chalof. It's a known principle that there's always a connection between the beginning of a Masechta, the beginning of a tractate in Mishnah and Gemara, and the end. That's why in a Hadron, 
they connect all very often the beginning and the end. And as he says in the footnotes, there are many sources for this. That the beginning, it says in Sefer Yitzir, no, it's Sefer Mitchelos, the beginning and the end are always connected. The opening of Masechta Yom is that the Kayin Gadol needs to have a home and that refers to his wife. This is connected to the last mission. What's the end of Masechta Yom? Amir Rebakiva. Rebakiva said, Ashreichem Yisra. And this is the famous song that's going to be sung in just a few days from now, like Boimer. Amir Rebakiva, Ashreichem Yisrael. Rebbe Kiva says, How fortunate are you, Yisrael. Look before whom you are cleansed and who purifies you, your Father in Heaven. Shenema, the Pasuk says in Yecheskel, Hashem says, The time of redemption I will sprinkle upon you clean, living, holy water and you will become pure. Va'aymer, there's a second posik. This is in Yirmiya, Perik, Yud Zayin. Mikveh Yisrael Hashem. Literally, the hope of Yisrael is Hashem. Says Rabbi Kiva. You know why Yirmiya uses the word mikveh? Mikveh means hope. Tikva, kaveh Hashem. But mikveh also comes from the word mikveh mayim, a gathering of water, a mikveh. Ma'am mikveh metayres atmeim. Afa Kaddish Baruch Hu metayres Yisrael. Just like a mikveh cleanses those who are impure, Hashem cleanses the Jewish people. This is the final mission of Masech Yomer Rebakiva extols and glorifies and boasts about the amazing quality of Yisrael. Look before whom you are purified and who purifies you. And he brings these two verses. So, to understand the connection between the beginning of Yomer and the end of Yomer, which will reveal a depth in both, we first need to dissect and analyze the words of Rebbe Kiv. Aleph, l'choy revas Rebbe Kiv mechadash, says the chaf b'zelpst farshtendlich zach, as nor ber eibrshter is der vases metayer, the chataim funidin, kamufurish bekama vekama pesukim and chumash venach. Rebbe Kiv lived almost 1500 years after Moshe Rabbeinu. You read through the whole chumash venach, you probably have hundreds of verses with the theme that Hashem cleanses the Jewish people. He wants to be close to the Jewish people. He wants the Jewish people to be close to him. He wants the Jewish people to fulfill the covenant, to be in a relationship with him. What's the great novelty of Rabbi Akiva? And he comes and he says, by the way, Jews, you're so lucky. God is going to cleanse you. I mean, this is a theme that pervades the whole Tanakh. O befrat, as gleich fired the maim from Rabbi Akiva, state in the Mishnah, Dorosh Rabbi Lozab and Azayah. Mikol chatei sheikhum lofnei Hashem titaru, aveir shem radam le yamakim yamakipur mechapar. Right before this in the Mishnah, this is the last Mishnah of Yuma, the last of the eight, the last, cha- the last chapter and the last Mishnah of Yuma. Rebbe Lozab ben Azariah says, a principle, sins between a person and Hashem, Yem Kippur atones. Sins between a person and his fellow man or her fellow human being, Yom Kippur is not sufficient. You have to appease your friend. You have to apologize. You have to say, I'm sorry. And he proves it from the Pasuk. It says in Parshas Achrimais, Ki Bayoim Azei Chapur Aleichem Mekol Chateisechem, Lifnei Hashem Titaro. On this day you will be atoned from all your sins. Before Hashem you will be purified. So Rabbi Elizabeth Azariah learns, Chateisechem Lifnei Hashem Titaro. Yom Kippur can atone for those sins that are before Hashem. Those things that you have with God, between you and God. But between you and another person? If I hurt you, I insulted you, I stole from you, I lied, I denigrated you, whatever it is, I have to apologize to you. This is in this very same Mishnah. What do we see from here? He says, Lifnei Hashem titaru. You're going to be purified before Hashem. So why is Rabbi Akiva adding that? We already learned to the Beloved ben Azariah said, yeah, Lifnei Hashem, God purifies you, in addition to apologizing to your friend. So Rabbi Elizabeth Azariah already said this. He quoted it from the Bosak. Base. So, so what's Rabbi Akiva's Chiddush? And he says, Hashreichem Yisrael. It's like, you know, we invented something new. We came across something extraordinary. This is a major theme. It's a Bosak, and it said, be, said before in the Mishnah. Base. Nachman is the Tamiya. Rabbi 
Dafke in dem Possek, wenn er mit dem Furusch dem Mann, der beide Platten von einer Dorn, der redet von der Bakiva. Lifnei mi ate metaren, lifnei mechem titaru. Mi metaires, mi chapel, metaires. Gewaldige question. Rebakiva finds two psukim in Yecheskel and Yermia to prove that Jews are lucky because Hashem purifies them. You have an explicit Possek in Chumash quoted in this Mishnah. Explicit, you can't get better than this, much better than Yecheskel and Yermia, where it says, on this day Hashem will atone from all your, atone for all your sins. In front of Hashem, you will be purified. In fact, the words, the phraseology of Rebekah is mamish taken from this Pasuk. He says, you're so lucky, look before whom you're purified and who purifies you. This is what this Pasuk says. See before whom you're purified, Lefnei Hashem, and who purifies you, Lataid Eschem. Bakiva says no. He ignores the Pasuk in Chumash. He looks and looks and he looks and he finds in Yecheskel, Perik Lamed Vav, in Yirmiyah, Perik Zion, Ezekiel 36, Jeremiah 17, I found, I'll sprinkle clean water. I'm your hope. And he turns Mikveh into a Mikveh. It doesn't even mean Mikveh. Mikveh Yisrael means hope, not Mikveh. Bakiva takes Mikveh, and he says it doesn't mean hope. It means a mikveh, a pool of water. You have a posik in Achiri Mois. This is Masechta Yuma. It's the Masechta of Yom Kippur. It's in Vayikra in Achiri Mois. What are you going to Yermia and Yecheskel for? Very strange. And it's quoted in this Mishnah. The editor of the Mishnah, the same Mishnah, he's quoting from Yermia and Yecheskel. Two li- just look two lines ago, you gave me a source about who purifies the Jewish people. Akasha. So some want to say, Rebbe Kiva is arguing with Rebbe Lazar ben Hazayah. Maybe Rebbe Kiva holds that even sins between you and your friend, you don't have to apologize. Yom Kippur can atone. So Rebbe Kiva can't use the Pasuk, Lifnei Hashem Titaru. Lifnei Hashem Titaru tells me that Chatoi Seichem Lifnei Hashem, the sins before God, you're purified. But maybe he argues. And he holds even sins between Adam Lachavira, Yom Kippur also purifies. That's what maybe you could say. But the Rebbe says you can't say that. Because his language is Amr Rebakiva, not Rebakiva Omer. There's a principle, this Dechemed explains this at length in footnote 39. In Mishnayis you have Omar Rebakiva or Rebakiva Omer. Omar Rebmeir Rebmeir Omer. Omer is an argument. He says this and he says this. Omar before the name is a continuation, not an argument. That's generally the principle in most cases. Here the language is Amr Rebakiv. Now Rebakiv is not arguing with Rebbe Nazariah. He's just adding. He's adding something. So number one, what is he adding? And number two, why does he have to find these psukim for much later in Tanakh when he has a pasuk in Chumash? He adds another point. Maybe you could say that Rebbe Akiva wants to add that even after you apologize to your friend, it's not enough. You still need Hashem to purify you. Don't just think you can apologize to your friend. You need Hashem also to forgive you. But the Rebbe said, you can't say that's the novelty of Rebbe Kiva. Why? Because when you sin to your friend, it's also a sin to God. You could sin to God and not sin to man. I violate Shabbos. I eat non-kosher. I didn't sin to another person directly, but it was a sin for God. But I can't sin to another human being and not sin to God. That doesn't exist. If you hurt another human being, you hurt Hashem as well. There's no such a thing, an Aveira bin Adam Lachaveira, that's not bin Adam Lamaka. If you hurt another person, you hurt Hashem also. Every person is in the image of Hashem. Every person is a child of Hashem. A person is a piece of Hashem. So if I hurt you, I hurt God as well. There's no such a thing. It's just a person. You have to apologize to Hashem also. It's posh that way. So even according to Rabbi Lezab and Azariah, you have to appease the person. But you need the purity of God. That's what Rabbi Lezab and Azariah said, that Aved is between you and your friend. Yom Kippur is insufficient. Yom Kippur can't do the whole trick. Yom Kippur can't atone. But you still need Yom Kippur. Because it's also between you and Hashem. So that's clear. So what is Rabbi Kiva adding to Rabbi Lezab and Azariah? And what is this novelty in this Chiddush? Gimel. I, I just explained, I, I, I went through the second question as well. Turn to the next page, Gimel. 
For what's the Rebbe Kiva Hobbin Svedayas when we are Zmadgish Ba'oimer? For those who are Loshan was Vaisas, the Ershtedayas Nit Maspik, Beloshan Ashas Maiva Oimer. The Gemara says in Brachas Amach Gimel, whenever you bring two proofs, it means the first one is insufficient. Why does Rebbe Kiva have to bring two Psukim? From Yecheskel, I'll sprinkle clean water, and from Yermia, that the Jews have Hashem as their mikveh. What was wrong with the first proof? Zion, the beer basa. The explanation is as follows. As the mile from bases who ish to his nitat nine avoid the funyema kipur. Not a mile on shlemus in kain godl gufa. Und der fahr hat es a shaykes nid blois mit avoid the sum you had a slema kipur. Nor mit alla avoid the sayem kipsag den harambam. Al der zay does does is does in the minion was that's a can see him a mesechta. The kaporo and tara was tutsuch of beyema kipur. Von divre de belaze ben azaya weis menor azay makipurim is mechaper. For das ken zayn mitzad dem tog von yem kipur, kedusha sayayim v'chuli. If dem is rebakiv em meisif, as das was yem makipurim is mechaper, is es nit nor mitzad dem tog von yem makipurim. Nor mitzad dem was dem odvert nizgala meiles yisrael, ashreichem yisrael. De kapar ebyem makipurim is mitzad dem farbun was is dot zivishin idin, mitavichem shemashamayim. Just as we explained in the beginning of Masech Yuma, that the reason the Kayan Gadol has to have a home and be married is not because the Avoida of Yom Kippur requires it, but it's rather because of the Kayan Gadol. It's something about who the Kayan Gadol is, about his identity, what it does for him. It's not that the Avoida needs it, the Avoida of Yom Kippur. It's about him, who he is on Yom Kippur. He needs to be in a Tzir, he needs to be a Kayan Gadol, who has a home, who's larger than life, who's larger than, who's larger than his own life, who's larger than himself. He has to have a, he has to be, he lose a home. He has to be a kind Gadol who has a home. In other words, that person who allowed his wife to bring out the best in him, what allowed his wife to give him a home in this world, to give him a space in this world, to give him transcendence in this world, who allowed his wife to sculpture him and bring out his deepest essence, his deepest core. And that's why every Avoid of Yom Kippur, even those that are done every day, the Rambam told us, has to be done through a Kain Gadol who's married. Because if not, there's something missing in the Kain Gadol on Yom Kippur. Now we'll understand the end of the Masechet. Rebbe Elizabeth Azariah is speaking about Yom Kippur. The Pasuki by Yom Hazah is about Yom Kippur. On this day, Hashem cleanses you, O Kavaldik. You could say why, but this day has something special about it. There's a holiness in Yom Kippur. You know, sometimes the king, a special day, creates a certain mood, a certain disposition, a certain esrotzen. So he atones for you. It's about Yom Kippur. It's the holiness of the day. Comes Rebbe Kiva and says, no, no, no. Of course Yom Kippur is a holy day. But the real atonement on Yom Kippur doesn't happen because of the day. It happens because on Yom Kippur, Ashrechem Yisrael. It's the person. The truth of the Jew comes out on Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, what is revealed is the intimate relationship between Hashem and their father in heaven. That's why he says Avichem. It doesn't say Hashem HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Their father in heaven. Because a relationship between a parent and a child is inseparable. It can't be severed. And the love is unconditional. It's essential. That's what Rebbe Kippur is saying. Not just the day, it's who. So now you'll ask, so why Yom Kippur? Okay, we'll get to that in a moment. But that's what Rebekah is saying. Ashreichem Yisrael. I want you to understand that you're dealing with your father. This is what's going to be developed now. If them chiddush bring to Bakiva arayif from pasuk zarakti aleichem ma'im tahirim v'balchis is mucha chazer eibush tis matayirid naichnit b'yem akipurim from the pasuk retach v'gidem zman agula nachme from pasuk zarakti is moving as the emes tada begula asidus mitzad the mailu from ayidin b'fnei atzmo. Is Taras Yisrael nit blois mitzad dem tog fun yeh makipurim, nor be ikir mitzad maylos Yisrael. 
Aber von dem Passag ist noch eine Tocken Reihe Gmuras ist mit seinem Meile Atmos von Jeden, weil dort rettet sich wegen des Mannes Gehula. Was das ist als Mann von Eiserotzen, wir können sagen, als Mann Gromme, wenn du gemüsst im Kippen. Der Liebe bringt aber Kippen noch eine Reihe von Passag mit Kippen Israel Hashem, was dort rettet sich Aleph nicht wegen als Mann von Eiserotzen. Um beis euch, wenn Iden gesehen und gewinnen am Atem, schon Leute die Boi. Und von deswegen sagt der Passag, Mikwe Israel Hashem, ma Mikwe Metaira, von Kishbaruch Metaira ist Israel. Rabbi Akiva can't bring the Pasuk from Kibayayim Azad. That's a Pasuk about Yom Kippur. Rabbi Akiva brings a different Pasuk. It says, I'm going to sprinkle on you pure water and I'm going to cleanse you. What is that talking about? It's not talking about Yom Kippur. It's talking about the time of the redemption. It's not on Yom Kippur. So there's no holiness of Yom Kippur. Furthermore, if you read those Pasukim in Yechaskel, he talks about there, he says, you have desecrated my name. You have abandoned the covenant. You have desecrated your holiness. In other words, I'm sprinkling on you clean water, not because you did tshuva, not because you had an inner awakening. It's not even because of the initiative of the Jewish people. Read the whole chapter in Yechezkel over there. So it's not coming because of the day. It's not coming because of the space. You're in some holy space. They're not in a holy space. They're dispersed all over the world. It's not even coming because they're in a holy conceptual space. So what is it coming for? from? It's coming from the fact that we are essentially connected, that you are essentially pure, because you are a channel for divinity, you are a piece of divinity. The Jew essentially, in every space, in every time, Yom Kippur and not Yom Kippur, in the Holy Land and not in the Holy Land, when he's inspired or she's not inspired, you're always connected to me, you're always sacred. So of course I'm going to sprinkle on you the clean water and purify you. Even when they have sinned and abandoned the covenant, I'm still your father, you're still my child. Like he brings in 46, Kedushin Lamedvav, Reb Meir says, Ben kachu, ben kach, Whether you behave like a child or you don't behave like a child, you're always my child. And in Sifri Hazinu, Perik Lamed Beis, it seems like Reb Yehuda, who argues with Reb Meir, and says, only when you behave like a child, you're a child. In Sifri Hazinu, Reb Yehuda agrees with Reb Meir. Which, by the way, explains why the Rajbah asks, why is the halacha like Reb Meir? Usually in Shas, Reb Meir, Reb Yehuda, halacha like Reb Yehuda. And yet the halacha is that even a Jew is a Meshumet, we consider him a Jew. If he betrothes a woman, she has to get a get. We don't consider him a Gentile. He's a Meshumet, we say he's like a guy, the wine. It comes to marriage, he's a Jew. In other words, he's still a Jew. The worst sins. The Gemara describes what he did. He's still a Jew. Why is the halacha like Reb Meir? So the Rajma says, because the Gemara brings four psukim to support Reb Meir. Four psukim. I think we can also add, maybe, in Sifri Hazinu, Rabbi Yehuda is made to Reb Meir. It seems like Rabbi Yehuda acquiesces to Reb Meir. The Medrash Shabbat Midbar Rabbi also points this out, that even in the worst moments, Rimri Yahanavi, who saw the Jews in their moral disgrace, says, I'm still in love with you. Medrash gives there a whole, a whole example about this man who married a woman, and this guy went to visit the wife, and the man was praising his wife, like the unbelievable person. He goes into the house, and he sees, it's a Shrek, her behavior, and the way the house is being run. And he's like, wow, this guy must be really crazy about you. This is what the Medrash says. If this is what he speaks, how he speaks about you in your disgrace, I can just imagine how he speaks about you in different situations. And the Pasuk compares this to Yirmiya Hanavi speaking about the Jewish people. That's what Vizarakti Aleichem Ayim Tahirim is. A time of desecration. This is Dashreichem Yisrael. But you could say that's different. It's a time of the Gula. Time of the Gula is an Esrots and Hashem said we're redeeming the Jewish people. So Rakiva brings a second Pasuk. Mikveh Yisrael Hashem, Mikveh Yisrael Hashem is in Yermia. It's also not in the Beit Yisrael. It's not on Yom Kippur. It's not at the time of the Gula. And it's not in a time when the Jews are in an elevated space. The same Pasuk Yermia speaks about the Jews who abandon God. But still, I am your hope and I am your Mikveh. I will always cleanse you. Why, why will I always cleanse you? Because you're mine and I'm yours. <laughs> because you're sacred. Because essentially you're good, you're holy, you're amazing. You're divine. That's who you are. And he says in 47 star, this is vintage, the Rebbe, that the tshuva, the, the sprinkling of the water is not because of time, it's not because of space, it's not because of tshuva, it's because of who they are. So why do you need tshuva? So he says, 47 star. Sometimes 
sometimes you do need tshuva, right? Of course, like the Rambam says in Hilchas Gerushim, that sometimes you force a Jew to do something only to obliterate the Yetzer Hara, who is forcing him on the outside to do against the Ratzon Hashem. On the inside, he always wants to do the will of God. So the tshuva is only to remove the external facade that makes him or her think that they're not interested in Hashem. That's all that, that's what the tshuva is. Tshuva doesn't have to create the relationship. The relationship is innate, it's intrinsic, it's eternal, it's timeless, it's essential. Ashrechem Yisrael, it's your father. You're always connected, you will always be connected. But on the outside, there's this impression that you're alienated because of your trauma, because of your anger, because of your brokenness, because of your dysfunction, because of what you went through, because of things that are not worked through. Okay, so let's, let's remove that. And then we'll see who you really are. So now you'll have a question, Sivche, so why do you need the first Pasuk? Just have the second Pasuk, Mikvi Yisrael Hashem, why do you need the first Pasuk? The answer is, I'm going to say this to Sif outside, because a big difference between the first Pasuk and the second Pasuk. The first Pasuk is, The second is, Mikvi Yisrael Hashem. What's the difference between the two? There was two forms of purification during the time of the Beis HaMikdush. One is called Hazah, sprinkling of the water. When somebody became impure from a dead corpse, Tumas Mace, you couldn't just go to the mikveh. They made a mix of the ashes of the red heifer with water. And then they sprinkled even a drop of the water on any part of the body and the person was pure. This is called Vizarakti, sprinkling the water. Somebody else sprinkles it on the impure person. That's Zrika, Hazah. And then there's going to the mikveh. The difference is, when you go to the mikveh, you're going yourself. Somebody can't go for you. I got to go dip into the water. When somebody sprinkles, somebody's sprinkling on me. I'm not doing it on my own. That's difference number one. Difference number two, only the sprinkling can purify somebody from impurity that comes from death. Touching a corpse or carrying a corpse or being in the same tent like a corpse. What does this mean spiritually? Purification through the mikra represents purification that a Jew does through his or her own initiative. I go to the mikveh and I dip in the water. In other words, this is the purification that comes through my commitment, my tshuva, my awakening, my repentance, my inspiration. But sometimes there's a Jew who was impurified by death. Spiritually, this means, Our life comes from dveikas, from intimacy with Hashem, the source of life. What if I'm completely detached? This is called Tumas Meis. It's the impurity that comes from death. I'm not in touch with my own life vitality, with my own inner divine consciousness. I'm completely separated. I can't go to the mikveh because I'm detached. I don't even feel it. I don't feel the disconnection. So somebody else has to sprinkle. Hashem needs to initiate the relationship. Hashem has to reach out to me. Why does he reach out to me? Because essentially we're always connected. We can't be separated. So when Rabbi Akiva wants to prove that the purity of the Jewish people doesn't come because of a special time or a special space or a special situation. It's rather the innate, essential truth about every single Jew. You are pure. You're innately amazing. You're beautiful. You're glorified. You are divine. That's where the cleansing comes from. What's the best possible to bring? You could be externally. It seems like you're spiritually lifeless. I will sprinkle the water. I will reveal it. Because you're there. You're essentially connected. So even if you're not initiating it, even if you're not in the mood, even if you're denying it, but this is who you really are. Because there's an essential connection. He doesn't only say the first pasuk, because the first pasuk you could say is during the time of the Geula. So he brings the second pasuk, Mikvi Yisrael Hashem, that Hashem is always the mikvah of the Jewish people, the time of the Geula, and not the time of the Geula. And that shows us that the Vizarakti Aleichem Ayim Tahirim is also applicable to all times. But the first Pasuk that he brings is Vizarakti Aleichem Ayim Tahirim because this represents the Tara that comes because of the essential connection of Hashem with the Jewish people. This is Rabbi Akiva's addition to Rabbi Lazar ben According to this, we now have a beautiful explanation in two words in this Mishnah that seem superfluous. And here let's go to Seif Tes. 
The real purification is coming because of your essential purity, your essential relationship. In Mishnah, every word is meticulous. Rabbi Kiva says, just like the mikveh purifies the impure, Hashem purifies the Jewish people. There are two superfluous words here, esatmeyim. As the Rebbe said when he was saying the Hadron, he said, Just like a mikveh purifies the impure. Obviously, if you're not impure, you don't need a mikveh. The whole purpose of mikveh is because you're impure. The words of Satmeim are superfluous. Now I know for the song it wouldn't work. But if I'm not mistaken, the Mishnah was written before the song. The words of Satmeim are not necessary. Rakiva should have said, Mikve Yisrael Hashem. Ma Mikve Metair. Just as a Mikve purifies, we know who it purifies. It purifies a person who needs to be purified. Same thing, Hashem purifies the Jewish people, or just Hashem Metakash Baruch Metair. The word of Satmeim are not necessary. A Mikve is not Metair to Hayrim. If you were Tayyar, you didn't need a Mikve. The explanation is as follows. The din by mikveh is as tviles metayer eich for na mikzes tuma. To say is tafilu when a man shativ zich nor nochatuma. Was the tvile can it metayer zayin helped ziyabet to metayer zayin the man shnal kalponu from the tuma kala. On the far is Rebbe Kivim Medayik Ma Mikvah Metayres at Meim Avgadish Baruch Hu Metayres Yisrael LeRames As Kesheim Via Mikvah Metayres Divas Lachri Atvila Blayben Zay Tomei Atara for Mikzas Tuma Azayis Echakadish Baruch Hu Metayres Yisrael Ayid Zol Nitrachin As Venetuchov Not Efachelik Von Zayin Avedis Vederebush Tended Mekabel Zayin Zayin Mikzas Shuva Not In Themselves Neif Vim Mikvah Metayres at Meim Ech Divas Blayben Tomei Ech Lachri Atvila Listen to this. There's a Mishnah in Brachas. This is the last Mishnah of the third chapter in Brachas. A following scenario. There are impurities that cause a person to be pure for seven, impure for at least seven days. For example, somebody touches a corpse. Or they're in the same tent like a mace. Somebody who's what's called a Zav or a Zava, a Nida. Different impurities that last for seven days. Some of them you need to go to a mikveh in a spring. Some of them you need a sprinkle on the person, the ashes and the water of the red heifer. But now this person who's tummy for seven days also has a tumma that's a much more lenient tumma. It's just a tumma for one day. For example, Balkari, somebody who has an emission of procreative seed. They go to the mikveh and that night they're pure. That night, it's just one day. Somebody who touched a sheretz, you touched a dead weasel. You go to the mikveh, that night you're pure. Here's the question. If I touch the corpse, I'm tummy now for seven days minimum, and I'm going to need not only a mikvah, I'm going to need them to sprinkle on me the third day and the seventh day, the mixture of the water and ashes of the red heifer. Should I still go to the mikvah or the mikvah is worthless? What do you say? You could say the mikvah is worthless. You have a much bigger tumor to deal with. <laughs> you have a much bigger impurity. Your mikvah is not going to do anything because you have a much more serious tumor. Comes a Mishnah in Brachas and says, Zav Shirah Keri. A Zav, who's Tomei for seven days, but he became a Balkari, he had an omission, he should go to the mikveh. And as the Rambam explains, that the mikveh is effective. In those days, somebody who had an omission before he or she was, was learning Torah and Davani, 
saying Kriyash Madavening, saying Brachas. They went to the Mikvah. Later they obliterated it according to both opinions. And everybody could just learn and Daven, even if you're Balkari. But the, but as the, 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 the Sugi and Brachas. You have to go to the Mikvah. What if you have a big Tumah? You could say it's nothing. Don't go to the Mikvah. It's worthless. Says the Mishnah, you go to the Mikvah. Ah, now we'll understand it, Bakiva. Ma Mikvah Metairis Hatmeim doesn't mean a Mikvah purifies those who are impure before Mikvah. It means a Mikvah purifies those who remain impure after Mikvah. Ma Mikvah Metairis Hatmeim. Even if you're Tome after Mikvah, the Mikvah still purifies you for a more lenient Tome. That's the word of the Bakiva. We thought means a mikveh purifies those who are impure. They shouldn't be impure anymore. What's the chiddush? Of course a mikveh does that. Rebbe says Rebbe means something else. A mikveh purifies even those who remain tummy after mikveh with a bigger, more stringent tumma, but mikveh is still effective to eliminate the smaller tumma. You don't say it's worthless. So Rebbe Akiva is teaching us that even a Jew who does tshuva on part of his sins... He goes to the mikveh, but he still has a much bigger tumma that he didn't deal with. Hashem still forgives him. Hashem still accepts the tshuva. You don't say that it's rejected. God is not going to accept him because you're still tummy. He still accepts you. Why? Because because it's your father in heaven. The purity in the mikveh is not just coming because you decided to be a better person and therefore God says, hey, come on, take care of all your problems. It's coming essentially because there is an innate relationship an innate purity that is always there in the deepest space and could never change, could never be altered. And when that's revealed, all the purity comes from there. So it has no limitations in every time, in every space, in every situation. Even a Jew who says, I'm still going to remain impure. I have other things I'm not ready to deal with. Still, Hashem accepts this truth and you become purified for this smaller tumor. And this is what he says in you, the last piece. This is a tremendous lesson in the words of Rebakiva. <laughs> A Jew comes to Hashem and he says, you know, I don't have energy and automatically I don't have time because when you have energy for something, you have time. (laughs) When you don't have energy, you don't have time. I don't have energy, I don't have time to remorse, to have remorse and regret and change my whole life and atone and ask forgiveness for all my sins. I have a few minutes, and there's a few sins that are really sitting on me, and I want to get rid of them. The rest, I'm not interested at the moment. You would think Hashem says, come back when you're ready for a full makeover, when you're ready for real atonement. You know, somebody borrowed from me $100,000, and they're playing games with me. Then they come to me, and they say, I'll give you $5,000, the other one... Come on, leave me alone. Stop playing games with me. You want to do tshuva, do tshuva. Don't tell me these sins I'm going to do, but I'm going to do tshuva on the rest. I'm not interested in. I have, I have too much on my head. Come to Kiva says, Ashrechem Yisrael. Ah! You're talking with your father in heaven who loves you. And the, the slightest point of a relationship, he embraces enthusiastically. A child is not on speaking terms with a father, chas v'shalom, and he comes to the father and he says, let's meet for coffee. They haven't spoken in 10 years. And they sit down and the son says, you know, I have a lot of issues with you, but there's one thing I want to apologize for. So a father could say, oh, if you don't apologize for everything, get out of this coffee shop. We won't speak for another 10 years. If you're a healthy father, you don't do that. You embrace the slightest, the slightest opportunity to engage you embrace it with such vigor, with such love, because there's an unconditional relationship. Even though you stay Tomei. But the mikveh is still metayer for that which is metayer. So that's the Ashrechem Yisrael, that's the Chiddush of Rabbi Akiva. Now you would think, but God is angry, you know. <laughs> he didn't apologize for everything. He says, no, the Nachad Eberstam Sayeya Mitzvah, Mitzvah, Geredes Mitzvah. 
Once he did a mitzvah, now Hashem already, now the relationship began. It's going to bring to another mitzvah, another mitzvah, another mitzvah. He reaches the state of Baal Even that Tzad can't stand there. That's how powerful it is. Oh. So now if this is the case, if this is the case, we now come to understand very deeply the beginning and the end of Yuma. What was the beginning of Yuma? That on Yom Kippur, for the Yom Kippur, to be able to achieve what he has to achieve, he has to have a spouse who took a house and made it a home, who anchored him in an infrastructure that transcends him, who brings out something inside of the husband, that he could, inside the man that he could never do on his own. It's only his vulnerability and his dedication to his spouse and her dedication to him that together they create something transcendent that transcends their individual egos. Now the Kain Gadol could be the Kain Gadol as the Kain Gadol is. By the way, a Jew sent me today, one of our students, Rabbi Daniel, sent me a Gewaldike, a Gewaldike source. Let's see if I wrote it down. It's a Sefer Shmeina Lachmoy by Yidreb Asher Anshul Ben Yitzchak, 1909. So he has a section there on marriage. So he says the reason the Kohen God wants to be married on Yom Kippur is because, like the Rebbe says in the footnote, because the Zoyar says that a man and a woman are two halves of one. So if you amputate, if you separate them, he's a Balmum, he's blemished. And a Kohen who's blemished can serve in the base of Mikdash. But he says a whole year, that's not called a blemish. On Yom Kippur, on Yom Kippur, that level of holiness, it becomes a blemish when he's separated. When Adam and Chava are separated, Adam is, is, is not whole. He's not the Adam. He's not the ultimate Adam. Now, of course, people who are not married are whole in many, many ways. But there's a certain uniqueness, a unique wholeness that Adam gets when he comes, when he comes together with Chav. Like Gemara says in Yavam, is Samach Gimel, about the conversation between Rabbi Yossi and Eliyahu. And I mean, I just realized it's Rabbi Yossi. So it's Mamish Lashitase with the beginning of the Hadam, what Rabbi Yossi said about his wife. Rabbi Yossi asked Eliyahu what Ezer Kenegde means. You bring in raw wheat and she turns it into food. She makes it edible. You bring in resources, you give her the seed of life and she turns it into a child. She takes a house and turns it into a home. She takes two people and turns it into a family unit. There's something divine. That's what the Kain Gadol needs on Yom Kippur. Not every day, but Yom Kippur, yeah. That's a different level. Now you could go into Kadosh HaKadosh. Now you can transcend yourself. Now you could be a vehicle for holiness. Wow, that's heavy. Probably every chassan and kala should learn this hadrat. So she brings out his etzem, who he really is. He's not a selfish person. He's a husband. She's a wife. It's hard for us men. A lot of us, we want to remain bachrim. We, we, uh, we rebel. We resist. There's a lot of resistance to allow your wife to sculpture you into part of a family unit. What does Leah say? But this is what she does for him. In history, who was the woman who did this to her husband? Every woman, every husband and wife who have a good marriage, this is what happens. But there's one particular person who we know this about in an extraordinary way. And this is the person who we discuss at the end of the Masechta, Rebbe Akiva. What's the story of Rebbe Akiva? And this is footnote, this is footnote 33 in the Sicha. The Gemara says in Ksuvah, Samach Bey, Samach Gimel, Rebbe Akiva was a simple shepherd. He was ignorant. He never learned. Rachel saw him for who he could be, not for who he is, for who he will be. Like Rebbe Yossi, she saw the future. She saw it. She married him. Her father excommunicated him. You're marrying a peasant, a shepherd, and a maritz who hated Talmudic Chachamim, the Gemara says. He hated them. He told his students, I'll bite them like a donkey. He told his friends, I'll bite them like a donkey. But she saw, she saw who he is. Like Rabbi Yossi, she saw. Back to the first sheep. She sent him to learn. 12 years, 24 years. Because she understood during those years, Rome was completely destroying the Jewish people. And she saw this is the man who's going to save the day. And he comes back with 24,000 students. She comes out to greet him and embrace him. And the students like, who's this woman? Rabbi Akiva says, Shaliv shalachem, shalohu. Everything I have, everything you have belongs to her. In the words of the Rebbe, the Lubavitch Rebbe, that had Ziyatem Geboit. She took a person who people just dismissed as a peasant and she turned him into Rebbe Akiva. What say about Rebbe Akiva in Sanhedrin? Pay Vav. Kulu Alibid Rebbe Akiva. The whole Tayyush of Alpeh 
comes from Akiva's teachings. So the whole Tereshim Alpet comes from whom? From his wife. In her own inimitable way, she took an individual who saw himself as just capable of leading some flock, and she turned him into a timeless leader and mentor of the Jewish people. The one who saved Torah, who saved our tradition, and whose Torah was deeper than Moshe Rabbeinu, the Gemara says of Menachas Davchavtas. That was his level, and it's all her. But Kivu would have never known who he is. She believed in him. She saw it. She gave him that foundation, that perspective on himself. She brought out in him what he could have never seen in himself. That's the end. The end of Yuma. That's what the Kain Gadol needs Beisai for, in the beginning of the Masechta. And look what she did. Rabbi Akiva would have said, I'm impure. I'm a Tomei. I can't learn. I'm 40 years old. I didn't learn a thing. But she said, go to the Mikveh. The Mikveh doesn't purify only people who become pure. It purifies people who have to deal with a lot of impurity. Rebbe Kiva, go to the mikveh. I know you're still going to be impure, but start. What does the Medrash say about Rebbe Kiva? He saw the water, the water penetrating the rock after many years, and he said, ah, even the rock could be penetrated. Rebbe Kiva needed, so even I could learn Torah. Somebody told me, you heard from Abnayach Weinberg, what was the big Chiddush? We all know that water could make a cleft in a rock. Rabbi Akiva learned that even the first drop did something. If after a hundred years there's a hole, it means the first drop also counted. Isn't that the word of Mamikum at Hatmeim? Don't underestimate the mikveh, even if later you're going to be impure because you're essentially connected. Greatness was thrust upon you. You are divine. You are infinite. You are godly. You are holy. Ashrechim Yisrael. And this explains the Ashrechim Yisrael. The Rebbe said, What is the spilers? What is the geval that God is cleansing Jews? Every person is supposed to forgive. The Gemara says, Baba Kami, you shouldn't be cruel. If somebody asks you for forgiveness, you forgive. Why should Hashem be different? <laughs> Every person is supposed to forgive. If you hurt me, I forgive you. That's what we should all be doing. We should be forgiving. This was his expression. From head to toe, he's incomplete. He's blemished. But he says, I have a few minutes and there's something bothering me. You would say, Hashem rejects him. Don't play games with me. Rebbe says, Ah, Ashrechem Yisrael. Because you're essentially, the etzem comes out. The etzem. What the woman brings out in the Kayin God, the Rabbi Akiva brings out in every Jew because his wife brought it out in him. So he could bring it out in every Jew. The atzmias, the atzmias, who you really are, may be hidden. You may not know about it. You need somebody to help you bring it out. Rabbi Akiva says, Ashrechem Yisrael, just like his wife told him, Ashrechem, Ashrechem Rabbi Akiva. The Baskal Taka said, Ashrechem Rabbi Akiva. Ashrechem Yisrael, who's cleansing you? Your father. Your father in heaven. It's unconditional. There's nothing you can do that will sever the relationship. It's going to be painful. But the relationship is always there. So even the slightest care, even the Jew says, there's something bothering me. Hashem says, you're in. And mitzvah gereris mitzvah, ultimately you'll be, you'll be cleansed completely. I'm just going to add two little details that the Rebbe said then in the Hadron. He said this is also true with God and the Jewish people. Rosh Hashanah, Hashem asks us to make him his king, to make us his king, to make, to coronate him as our king. But then there's what Kabbalah calls Binyin HaMalchus. You got to build up Hashem's Malchus. What do we say, Rosh Hashanah? Hashem is infinite. But who creates Hashem's home in this world? Who builds Hashem in this world? Who creates a diri b'tachtoinim? Who takes the physical world and transforms it into a divine home? Who builds up the divine energy? The world is a world. God creates the raw materials. But who turns it into a home? Into a shiru Hashem shir chadash? Into a symphony? Into an integrated achdus? This is the human being, the interlacing link between heaven and earth, and the one who brings achdus to the bria. Boyu That's what Adam did on the first Friday, the first Rishon. Tamlichuni aleichem. We build kivayachal, the home for Hashem. We take divinity, turn it into a home, into a bias, and it becomes something that is essential. 
This touches God in His essence. It brings out the deepest essence of Hashem. Because this is the purpose of the whole creation. This is the purpose behind everything. So Ishtai, the Jewish people, his wife, create the Beisai. And this is Kavayachal, what anchors Hashem here and keeps him here. This is why he wants it. He wants Beisai. He wants that home. We build him up in the world. We reveal the Shechin in the world. And that's what the whole Asari Simei is, the Binyan HaMalchus. That's what Arizal calls it, Binyan HaMalchus. So the one more point we see, that after of Rosh Hashanah, Rosh Hashanah speaks about the Kriya, speak, the Kriya says we have Ram and Sarah and Hagar and Yishma. But where do you see the point from the Haftar? The Haftar is about Chana. Elkanah was a great man. He was a regular, he was a great man. He told Chana, I'm better than 10 children. Bon, Bonim. Ben is Meloshin Binyin. Bas is Meloshin Bayis. But Chana says, no, I want to create eternity. And she creates Shmuel. She doesn't only create Shmuel. Shmuel is the one who anoints David, who creates Mashiach, who creates David Malach Yisrael, Chai Vakayim. So Chana is the one who builds Klal Yisrael, builds eternity, builds the Gula, not just through her son, Shmuel, who was like Moshe and Ar, Moshe Ban, Mechan, Shmuel, Bukhari, Shmuel. The Gemara says in Megillah and Chrysus, Chana was a Neviya, David, Ushleim, and Nimshechu, Bekeren. They were anointed with the horn. Chana says, Rama Karni, V'yitin Oizla Malke, V'yarim Karen Meshichi. That's the end of Tfilis Chana of Rosh Hashanah. She builds up Klal Yisrael, she builds up the Geula, she builds up David, she builds up Malchus Yisrael. The Gemara says in Brachas Lamed, all most halachas of Tfilah we learn from Chana. Because Tfilah is the whole structure of human life. Tfilah has three parts. We praise God in the beginning, we ask and we thank. So the Rebbe said, this is the three parts of life. There are those things that are given to us as a gift. And we just say thank you. I own my soul, I own my body, I own my 80 trillion cells. I say thank you for giving me life. Now I have to initiate, I have to create a new life. This is where the Avoida comes. People work, they create themselves into something. And this is where you ask Hashem for help. Now you have to initiate, you have to ask for help, and you have to do things. And then you give gratitude for that. That's the structure of Dawn, it's a structure of life. And this we learned from Chana. Chana is the one who is boyne, she builds up Elkanah into a home. She creates Shmuel, who becomes the greatest prophet in the history, and who ultimately anoints David HaMelech, Shaul HaMelech, and David HaMelech, which creates the eternity of Jewish royalty, royalty Malchus based David, which will reveal Malchus Hashem, which builds the Shekhinah in this world. This is all Chana. And the Rebbe said, and this is connected to the event of this day, and he was intimating, of course, that it's the yardset of his mother, who was Rebbe Sintch, whose name was Chana. And that's why he made a siyam, a Yuma which the way I understood it was that he was intimating in the Rebbe's own style about how much his mother gets credit for building his father and himself, just like Chana with Shmuel and David. This is a very, very deep and subtle thing of how a mother and a wife, femininity, how they build themselves and they build their loved ones, their husbands, their children, their grandchildren, and everyone they come in contact with. The bias, that eternity, that sense of eternity, like Rabbi Akiva's wife did for him. And Kulu Alibadi Rabbi Akiva. From this comes the whole, the whole Teresh Abalpah. So, so interesting, the Rabbi added in that the last words of Masech Yuma, we spoke about the Mishnah, the last words, is speaking about somebody who saw Keri and Yim Kippur, and they lived through the years. So as Rashi says, they're going to see Bonim, Ubnei Bonim, Yire Zera, Yarech Yamim, it's going to increase their life and increase their generations and eternity. Again, we see that the opening and the end is mamish this theme of what it really means to be able to reveal the essence of a person and bring out that amazing essence, Asherich Yisrael, which no sin and no mistake and no trauma in the world can extinguish, can eliminate, can compromise, can dilute. Thank you very much. Have a good night. Thank you, Project Lekotesichis. Thank you for everybody. Hundreds, I think thousands of people joining us here. It's amazing. Bruchim Tiyu and may all of us experience the Vizarakti Aleicha Mayim Tahoyrim, the Geula Kanja Geula revelation, and the Mikveh Yisrael Hashem. Somebody's asking, what's the connection to Lag Boimer? Why are we singing on Lag Boimer? It could be, I'm not sure, but now maybe we understand, because what's Lag Boimer? 
Like Boim was the day of Rabbi Shimon Ben Yechoi, he was a student of Rabbi Akiva. And he was the one who revealed Pnimiyus Atayra, the inner dimensions of Tayra, Kabbalah. And the focus of Pnimiyus Atayra is to reveal the Pnimiyus Anashama, the, co- the core of the soul. That's why Miran brings all Jews together. Because at the core, we're all one. There's no differentiation. And this he learned from Rabbi Akiva, Ashrechem Yisrael. This is what he learned from Rabbi Akiva. Perhaps that's one reason. Maybe there's other reasons as well. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.